The Forum at 8 on SAFM. If you've just joined us, a very warm welcome to the show and thanks for staying with us if you've been with us since 6 this morning. Well, it's time now for the Forum at 8, 6 minutes after 8. And uh, this morning we are looking at South Africa's labor laws and uh, perhaps trying to figure out what sort of role these laws actually play in the strike action that we see year on year playing out in this country. The National Employers Association of South Africa, NIASA, says that labor laws contribute to the prolonged and violent nature of strikes experience in various industries. Now, the labor laws are meant to protect the rights of vulnerable workers and ensure fair labor practices by employers. But how then can they be seen as a problem if this is indeed what they are meant to do? Or are these laws, in fact, a double-edged sword with advantages and disadvantages for both workers and employers? Even the Constitution of the Republic says that every worker has the right to strike. So on the Forum at 8 this morning, we ask... Do South Africa's labor laws play a role in exacerbating the strikes that we see in the country? And joining us for the discussion, uh, Mr. Temingkosi Mkalipi, who is Acting Deputy Director General, uh, Labor Policy and Industrial Relations. He's joining us on the line from Pretoria this morning. Thanks for your time, Mr. Mkalipi. Good morning, Nikki, and good morning to your listeners. And uh, obviously, we also have in studio with us Gerard Poppenfus, who is the chief executive of uh, the National Employers Association of South Africa, who are making this claim. Good morning. Hello, Sakina. And uh, Patrick Craven, a national spokesperson for the Congress of uh, South African Trade Unions, COSATU, also in studio with us. Patrick, thanks for coming through, as always. Good morning, Sakina, and to your listeners. Now, let's get straight to it. Um, uh, Gerard, let me start with you. Um, Niasa says uh, that the labor laws contribute to these uh, prolonged strikes, the violent nature of the strikes. How so? Well, uh, let me just put it in context. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I didn't say there's a direct direct uh, correlation. Uh, you know, my, my, my comments was as a result of the... Uh, the minister's recent comments where she said that uh, our labor laws is, is, uh, makes no contribution at all towards uh, the nature of our strikes. And I said, no, you can't plead completely not guilty on, on this charge. Um, you know, our, if, if, if your laws, labor laws, uh, result in um, unemployment, which we belie- believe it does, it makes employers less inclined to employ, then you have more employment, and we know that uh, employment, unemployment is a driver of inequality and uh, poverty. And if that's the case, then uh, our labor laws d- does do play a role indeed. Um, uh, it is, we, if we want to address inequality and, and poverty, we can't just do that through increasing or hiring of, uh, or increasing of wages. We need to address the issue of unemployment. Um, and uh, with our current labor law dispensation, it's highly unlikely that we will be able to address unemployment. And um, unemployment is not only the result of not only the, the labor, le- labor legislation uh, is not the only cause. There are other causes as well. But the Labor Relations, with our Labor Relations Act, no doubt, plays a huge role in this regard. Any specifics that you could cite for us that, uh, you know, where a law is actually contributing to the sort of factors that you've outlined? Well, I, I think the, the one very... The one very obvious uh, uh, element is the the laws on dismissal. Um, the, the the more difficult it is to dismiss, the more unlikely it is to employ. 
and uh, um, and and this is the one thing. The second thing is that employers built in the risk of dismissal into the wage when they employ. If I can tell you, if I don't, uh, if I don't appreciate your style of work or the nature of your work and I can tell you that you must go immediately I will be able to pay you more and I'm not suggesting that that is what the act must say I'm just using it as an example that the moment I can tell you you must go if I don't appreciate what you're doing I will pay you more but the moment I know that I will have to go through various processes and then even then be challenged and uh, that be, it be required of me to pay a huge amount of compensation I must build in that risk risk into the wage so apart from having uh, the the result of employers less inclined to employ I believe that strict labor laws and huge interference have as a downward impact on the level of wages Patrick Craven the simple answer to your question is uh, no and if we didn't have any labor laws, we would have far, far more strikes and uh, they would be far uh, more chaotic. And uh, it's uh, absolutely out of the question to say we don't need labor laws at all. And it's important to recognize that conflicts, disputes between employers and employees are structural in every country in the world such problems exist because of the very nature of the capitalist economy. You have a conflicting e interest between the workers who produce the wealth of the country and the employers who hire them uh, in order to make a profit out of their labor. And uh, so disputes are absolutely inevitable. And uh, in um, virtually all societies, the only exceptions being dictatorships, uh, there is some form of labor law which seeks to manage this conflict in a way which minimizes the harmful effect and maximizes the uh, the good effects. And uh, our labor laws, although they're certainly not perfect, which is precisely why we've recently had to have this amendment to try to uh, improve the effectiveness of labor laws, have uh, an overwhelmingly positive effect. Part of the problem is, of course, that it's not recognized in the media. Uh, disputes are solved every day, one way or another, at a bargaining chamber, at the CCMA, at a labor court. But that doesn't make the headlines. It's when there's a big uh, public strike, particularly if there's violence, suddenly then it becomes a big story. And the impression is created that this is the, uh, the general situation. It isn't. Most disputes are, are resolved uh, using the labor laws. And most uh, sensible employers even recognize that. And uh, you will not find... Uh, more than a, a sort of tiny fringe of employers who say, well, scrap the lot, we'd be far better to have a complete free-for-all, because they realize that quite apart from the obvious uh, negative effect on the workers, who would be um, even more exploited than they are already, it would create such uh, instability that uh, employers themselves and the country as a whole would be very badly affected. Let me just digress momentarily before I get to Mr. Mkalipi. Um, th that was a sneaky little backhand uh, to the media there, uh, Patrick Craven. <laughs> of course, we expect that uh, these um, you know, uh, problems will be resolved amicably and quickly. And it's the media's job to focus on the issues when they are not resolved in such a manner and they are not resolved speedily because if people go on the rampage, then it is our job to actually expose that. I'm not saying you should ignore the, the violent incidents, but uh, all I'm saying is you shouldn't completely ignore 
particularly when you're doing programs like this, which seek to analyze and get down to the bottom of things, to uh, correct the impression that is given, and undoubtedly it is, that uh, we have a strike season where things get out of hand and workers are on one strike after another, which simply isn't true. The vast majority of disputes are solved without strikes, mainly because we have a labor dispensation, which, well, as I say, far from perfect, does uh, seek to regulate the way in which disputes are settled. Mm. Let me get to Mr. Mkalipi. I mean, you've heard what Mr. Papanfus and what Mr. Craven have said. From the Department of Labor's perspective, how do you respond to that? Now, from the Department of Labor, we uh, do not have an issue with the media and its coverage on these issues. We're happy that we're having. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, we're happy that we're having this debate, and that Mr. Pastorfus has raised the issue of dismissal. I, I think, for me, mm. let us let us be specific. What does the law say in terms of dismissal? The law says that you must have a reason for dismissal. The law says that you must give a, a fair hearing the person that you intend to dismiss. The person must be able to represent, but be re- able to be represented. Now, if Mr. Papenfu says they want a- another process, does he mean that they want to dismiss without the reason? <laughs> does it mean that there must be no fair hearing? Does it mean that the person that must be dismissed must not be, be able to defend themselves? I mean, these are the issues that we need to talk about. We can't throw away uh, issues into the debate and say the, 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 the dismissal provisions are anonymous when we do not say what is it that we're talking about. Because the fairness is built in in our law, is built in our constitution. And the labor laws don't require anything other than the right of the person that's going to be dismissed to be given a hearing. It doesn't say that that hearing must be fired for 20 days. It says given a hearing, they must be able to defend themselves. What is it that is causing uh, uh, headaches about the dismissal process. It's the employers themselves that go up and set long, elaborated processes. It's not the law. So, Mr. Papenfuss, uh, what Mr. Mkalipi is saying is that you are actually overstating this case. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> first of all, um, at no stage are we, did we argue that uh, there must be no labor laws. I think there's a uh, a, a place for labor laws and uh, our concern is over interference um, just uh, to to uh, comment on a few things that's been said and I will come to what Mr. Nkalipi is dealing with you know um, uh, there will be the demand always the demand of labor and uh, the response from capital because in a capitalist economy uh, um, when, when you don't get your money from elsewhere, you must make a profit and you make, must make a good profit. No, no employer can operate a business just making it. Because if you do that, you will be out of business. And if you're out of business, there's no employment. You need good employers, strong and wealthy employers, to have a, a, a solid employment um, because there is no other alternative. You know, if, if people criticize the capitalist system, well, you know, we've, ne- we've never seen any other system work. So um, um, there is that, the, the, the uh, uh, dynamics of, 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 of uh, the, 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 the demand of the worker, the response of the employer, and that, that tension is absolutely imp- uh, important. However, if we say that uh, the, the act is, is designed in a way that resolves disputes. 
There are two types of disputes. We need to be talking about individual disputes because of dismissal. I will deal that with, with that now. But we need to talk about the issue of dis- the resolving disputes when it gets to collective bargaining. This is a huge problem because, you know, people argue that collective bargaining brings stability. It's not true. Uh, first of all, the biggest strikes that we have in South Africa is in sectors where there are collective bargaining structures. And, 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 and the... Uh, uh, an exception might be, and that will be argued that that uh, Lonman, well, not Lonman. What happened in the mines, uh, the platinum mines, is there was no collective bargaining. That's the reason for the strike. That is not. Um, uh, that's not the case. So, in your biggest industry covered by collective bargaining structures, there are huge labour disputes, as costing the country millions. So, I see collective bargaining not as an answer to the solution, but it's currently creating the problem. That needs to be addressed, and I, I perhaps don't have the time now to say in which manner does it have to be addressed. Just on the dismissal issue, I don't think that it will be ever be right for an employer just to have the right to chase somebody away. That's not what I'm suggesting. But uh, as it is at the moment, from day one, an employee has certain rights, and you need to have need to prove that the employee is both uh, substan- the, the dismissal is both substantially fair, and you must follow a fair procedure. Now, and then you have a case where employees take the chances and take you to the CCMA. I think we can get relief by saying, within the first year of employment at least, the the laws can be relaxed substantially because in a, within a year you can see whether you're happy with the employee. You can establish that relationship and if it's not working then you must be able after a fair hearing to to at least hear the employee to let him go. That gives you the opportunity to establish that relationship because no employer not the most selfish employer will chase away a good employee. We are all competing with each other for good employees. It is the one that doesn't fit into your system for what reason that you want to get rid of and at least give an employee, give the employer a year to establish that. And if, but somebody will say that will be abused. Well, it won't. Mm. It won't be abused. Well, Patrick Craven? Yeah, on dismissal, I totally agree with Comrade Nkalipi that uh, it, it is just a myth that uh, you cannot retrench workers, which is proved by the fact that the number that retrenchments which do in fact take place. If it was so difficult, then uh, we would uh, presumably not have a problem. The fact but is, if, if anything, in reality, although the law is quite clear, um, a lot of employers uh, do still uh, dismiss workers without good reason, which is why there are so many cases at the CCMA. It's not just people taking a chance. They've got a genuine case and many of them are upheld. On collective bargaining, uh, I knew this would be one of the issues today and I think it's central to this discussion because um, we believe collective bargaining is a huge uh, uh, advance for uh, for the workers. It enables them to uh, negotiate collectively in a way in which they uh, would never be able to do individually or even uh, as a group within uh, within one particular plant, and um, if the uh, the kind of changes which some people in business are uh, making, and the DA in particular has uh, latched onto, to in effect make collective bargaining agreements voluntarily, it undermines the whole thing. The agreements wouldn't be worth the paper they're written on if any employer 
in that sector can simply say, well, I disagree. I'm going to continue paying uh, the lower wage. And this is unfortunately precisely what's happening at the moment uh, in a very, very small number of companies within the engineering and metal industries who are saying, well, we don't like the settlement that our colleagues have negotiated on our behalf at the bargaining chamber. And so we will uh, uh, lock the workers out and uh, continue to pay lower wages than those agreed. That's precisely why we need labor laws and why the uh, the trade union movement will oppose any attempt to try to make them voluntary. There are already uh, provisions in uh, in the Act and they're reinforced in the new Act for exemptions for small companies that have a genuine argument. But they have to have a genuine argument. They can't just decide themselves that they will opt out of an agreement. Mm. Uh, Mr. Kalipi? I'm coming back to this issue. It's a right of the employer to decide who to employ. They must have proper process to interview people, give them a job. If the employer employs me and gives me the job and gives me the necessary training and I'm not able to perform, nothing in the law prevents the employer to dismiss me because I'm not able to perform. So why do you think this perception exists? Well, uh, Mr. Papafos must explain because we're talking about the law. Now, we, if we say there are problems in the law, we point it to the law, let's deal with those issues. Now, on the issue of collective bargaining, uh, 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 collective bargaining takes place in many companies. We must understand first what is collective bargaining. Collective bargaining is any bargaining that takes place between the union and the employer. Therefore, it's not only in the big companies that collective bargaining takes place. And those negotiations are settled. I'm sure Mr. Poppenfuss is meant to say centralized collective bargaining where companies come together and, make, and, 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 and collective bargaining. There's been major strikes, big strikes in those. Obviously, if there's an accident, if I drive a beetle, we are only four people in the beetle, and I had an accident, four people will die. But if I'm in a plane and there's an accident, and the plane is got 200 people, 200 people will die. The same thing with centralized collective bargaining. When they go to strike, more workers go to strike, it affects more. There's no doubt about that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. And, of course, this morning we are asking you, do South Africa's labor laws play a role in exacerbating strikes in the country? We are speaking to uh, Mr. Patrick Craven from Kasatu, Gerard Papenfus from uh, Niasa, as well as uh, Tim Kosi Mkalipi, acting DG, uh, Labor Policy and Industrial Relations in the Department of Labor. The lines are open 891 and I see we already have some callers on the line. We'll come to you shortly, 34701 for SMS and we'll read some of those as well. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we're talking about South Africa's labor laws. Do these labor laws play a role in exacerbating strikes in the country? That's what we're asking. Uh, Teminko Kalipi from the Department of Labor, Gerard Papenfus from Niasa, and Patrick Craven from Kosatu, our guests this morning. The lines are blazing, so let's get in there. Uh, George, you're calling us from Claremont. Good morning. Good morning, George. Hello, can you hear me? Clearly, George. Uh, morning. Um, I, I don't think that uh, the labor laws are causing the strikes. It's uh, low wages and the high cost of living that's causing the strikes in this country. And uh, <clears throat> the main cause of uh, uh, you know, unemployment is a lack of aggregate demand. Because of, because of low wages, 
less disposable income for, for people to, there's less purchasing power, less demand for goods and services. So, you know, we, this argument is either red herring or we've reached an impasse here, and we need to look for a way forward. Now I would suggest that we start with a basic income that will subsidize all employees' wages. It will raise the, uh, you know, the, 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 the minimum wage automatically. And, uh, you know, uh, we could even talk about trading, making a trade-off with relaxing, you know, hiring and firing uh, rules. Who's going to pay for that, George? Uh, I mean, and is it sustainable? It is sustainable. And it, I would say it is uh, absolutely imperative for, for the future of this country because we've got massive unemployment. We've got extreme poverty. We need to in- reduce inequality. We need to uh, uh, create jobs. And we need people to have spending power to create the demand for goods and services so companies can expand and employ more people. Okay. Thank you so much, George, calling us from Claremont this morning. Eddie, you're in Cape Town as well. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Hi. Um, Look, Sakina, um, I'm an employer myself, and there is nothing that really gets my back than... Um, the comments that are made by Mr. Papenforce. You know, you know, in this, um, um, uh, most white employers, I, I, I'll be bold on that. Um, they always have this thing of using euphemisms and, and proxies to say basically black employees are lazy. You know, uh, I, I had an argument the other day with one of my HR person, and they were saying they, they, they are trying to do a constructive dismissal for this person. And I say to them, what do you mean constructive uh, dismissal? All they mean is they don't want to follow the procedure. I have fired people from my company, and it's very easy to fire someone if you have reason and they are not touring the line. So um, we mustn't forget where this country is coming from. I mean, we, um, uh, we have people that have worked for years and that get uh, uh, um, retirement and just get a watch as, 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 as a... Uh, um, uh, um, uh, they are thank you. So I think I think um, white employers in this country must take cognizance of where we're coming from. They must take cognizance that most uh, employees that are, are affected by uh, collective bargaining are mostly the um, 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 the, the unskilled people or, or, or people that sell their labour because they were affected by apartheid one way or the other to, to not be white collar uh, employees. So it makes me really angry, uh, Sakina, because I employ people and I don't have that kind of thing. I'm a small business, but big business wants to have some kind of ra- riding roughshod on, on, on this country. And all you hear from them is uh, we are doing a favor. Like if you listen to Mr. Papenfo's uh, 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 comments, he's basically saying, Employees must come in in the morning every day and say thank you for giving me a job. No, it's a, it's a see-so. An employee relationship is a see-so. The mm-hmm. other person is on the other side and the other person, it must balance. It mustn't be really an issue of employees must be grateful that um, w- w- white employers are in South Africa. You okay. hear this every day, you know, and it makes me really angry and it gets my back, you know. I can hear your yeah. anger there, uh, Eddie, getting that load off his chest. Uh, we'll come back to the calls, uh, Matu. Everybody else read some messages as well. But right now it's 8.30 and it's time for news headlines with Zikona Miso. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Well,
certainly many of you trying to come in and uh, give us your perspectives on what we are asking this morning. Uh, does uh, Do South Africa's labor laws play a role in exacerbating strikes in the country? And we are speaking to uh, Gerard Papenfus, who is the chief executive officer of NIASA. We also have Patrick Craven, national spokesperson for COSATU, as well as Temenko Simkalipi, acting uh, deputy director general, labor policy and industrial relations in the Department of Labor. Well, I don't want to take up too much time because the callers are already holding there, but I want to actually make a point of reading some of the other messages coming through um, via SMS and Twitter. This one says, labor laws are causing all the instability and the damage to property, never mind the anxiety uh, to those who want to work. Mac in PE says, uh, maybe the question should have been, how much does exploitation contribute to the strike action? The exploitation over years still continues. Jim Dimba also sends an SMS saying, in South Africa, companies don't employ workers but are prescribed to uh, by employment unions not the workers. And this unsigned one says, please ask Mr. Craven how many jobs has Kosatu created and then how many Kosatu members have lost their jobs. Craven has a high-paying job. Uh, Matla in Joburg says, can someone explain to me in what way are South Africa's labor laws a problem? Are they a problem when they prevent employers from underpaying and willy-nilly recruiting and firing employees? And Joe in Peter Marisburg says, workers don't embark on strikes because it's fashionable or a nice thing to do. It's because striking is the only and last weapon with which greedy employers take workers seriously, uh, their demands and their rights to live and a decent life. So those are some of the comments coming through. But I want us to respond very quickly to the callers that we um, spoke to before the break. Um, maybe I should start with Mr. Mkalipi for a change to give us his response. Well, I mean, the callers are saying exactly what I'm saying. Uh, we still need to see, I mean, as government, we are eager uh, uh, to look at the legislation uh, whenever any uh, of our stakeholders raise it. But in, we need to engage soberly on this. What are the areas of the law? What is it that we're talking about dismissal are causing strikes, dismissal are not, used, are not business friendly? What is it that we want? Do we want a dictatorship in the factory now where workers don't have a say. They cannot even defend themselves. They cannot have fair hearing. Is that what we want? That's an issue. If we say collective bargaining is the cause of, 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 of uh, a business not investing, what, are, what is it that we're talking about? Let's be specific. Let's raise the issues. Let's debate them. And if we agree on that, we'll make the changes. And um, before I get to um, Gerard Papenfuss, let me just read a few more messages. Mike in uh, Cape Town says, what is meant by exacerbate? Hope spelling is correct and the listener will appreciate the question. Um, (laughs) To make worse, uh, you know... uh, We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll find you a proper dictionary definition in just a bit. And then um, Mabule in Pretoria says, Labor laws are hindering the progress of our economy. As we speak, the post office is unable to account for my important documents uh, to conduct my business. Management is not taking calls. Workers are on strike. Please help. And um, uh, Mr. Papenfuss, um before the break, Eddie was talking about, uh, he pulled the race card on you, basically, and uh, saying all of this language you're using is basically just euphemisms for other proxies. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I thought he was referring to another conversation because 
you know i didn't uh, i didn't have black or white workers in mind when i said what i said um so i'm not going back to that but uh, you know um uh, as f- I just want to deal with what Mr. Nkalipi said earlier. Um, you know, it's easy to fire. It is not easier to fire. Um, it might be easy to fire, but you will face uh, a long inquisition to explain. But, um, not, not, uh, you know, he, he referred to uh, non... If a person is not pref- uh, performing, then uh, you're firing. Let me tell you that non-performance dismissals are the most complicated dismissals. And that's why in the government... Uh, there are employees under suspension for sometimes more than a year. You know why? Because it's hard to dismiss them. But in the government's case, they can suspend and pay a person that's sitting at home for months uh, with uh, tax money. It's not, that's not possible for a, for a private business. Um, it's very complicated to dismiss. And, and, and it's, every time it's a risk to employ because you don't, you're not sure what you get. And what we ask is a bit of relief. Now, Mr. Nkalipi, I've, I've said it before, and I think to some extent I've addressed it. As far as collective bargaining is concerned, you know, Mr. Nkalipi and I had various discussions where I've explained to him in long detail what is the problem of collective bargaining. I just want to say that I take huge exception uh, to, to what Mr. Craven recent, uh, said earlier when he said a small minority of employers do not agree with what the agreement. Let me tell you what is the fact. 15% of employers have a, a, a strike a deal with NUMSA. 15%, albeit a couple of big businesses. 85% of employers are excluded, but they will now be compelled to come to, to follow that rule. Now, what is the deal? A big business employing 10,000 people has signed a deal. He enforced that same deal on a little company in the Northern Cape where each and every element of business differs. Transport is different. The cost of living is different. Um, each and every element there differs from Johannesburg. His client sits, he doesn't have clients in the time where he's here in Jobek. Everybody does business with everybody around them. Um, the cost of doing business in a little town is much higher, but the cost of living is lower. But they apply this wage to that little company in the Northern Cape. Mm. This is ridiculous. And somehow government does not understand it. What government's argument is, if the guy in the Northern Cape in Kuruman doesn't like it, he can apply for an exemption and then sometimes wait for a year. Now government is now brought in the new uh, legislative changes, a 30-day provision. Let me tell you, bargaining councils are so disorganized, they will not comply with that. They cannot. Bargaining councils is an evil institution. I'm very clear on this. It's protecting unions and therefore government, which is uh, the Department of Labor, is an extension of Kusatu. Therefore, and I'm very frank here today, therefore they fight for collective bargaining. It's the lifeline of trade unions. It's a killer of business. And Mr. Um, Mr. Um, Craven is right when he say there are huge advantages for workers. But when you have an unbalanced system, where the, only the workers get a balance, get the advantage of this arrangement, you will have a decline in business. South Africa will no longer be an investment opportunity. In this industry where NUMSA reigns, 80% of employers says they want to get out of this industry. There's no new businesses coming into this industry. And let me tell you, socialism doesn't create jobs. Capitalism, people, only capitalism can create jobs. Socialism works as long the money, as long as there's money brought in by capitalists.
Social, the moment socialism, socialism fails when the money dries up. And for some reason, socialists do not understand it. That's why socialist systems have failed all over the world every time. But the, the, the socialist voice are very strong in South Africa because capitalism is still feeding this little animal. Mm. And on that note, maybe you can also respond to George uh, Patrick Craven, who was talking about some sort of subsidy um, with regard to uh, wages. First of all, capitalism does not create jobs, which is why we have such a huge level of unemployment. But George, I was going to respond anyway. I thought it was an excellent (laughs) contribution because he really got to the heart of the problem. Uh, Capitalism is by its very nature exploitative. And exploitation is at the heart of most disputes. Um, But to some extent, that can be managed. But particularly in South Africa, partly because of our uh, heritage from apartheid, there is extreme exploitation, which is why we're so uh, adamant uh, in wanting labor brokers banned, because that's the worst form of exploitation, where workers are basically being uh, treated as commodities, uh, traded uh, with companies. The new law is uh, much better, but we'd still rather see labor broking banned completely because we're very worried that uh, the restrictions which are in the new act could still be, uh, there'll still be loopholes. But also, I thought Eddie got to another key point when he talked about aggregate demand. Um, There's an old saying from an economist called John Maynard Keynes, who wasn't a socialist, he's an orthodox capitalist economist, when he said, Every uh, employer wants to pay his or her own workers the lowest possible wages, but he wants every other employer to uh, pay the highest possible wages so that workers will have enough money to buy their goods or their services. Mm. And, uh, but businesses aren't all, charities, are they? And the Patrick? problem is if all employers uh, can get away with pushing down wages down and down to the lowest possible It's not only obviously bad for the workers, but it's extremely bad for the economy. You cannot build an economy. And what Eddie was calling for, sorry, George was calling for, um, was exactly what Cusato is calling for, a national minimum wage. There should be an agreement that there is a level below which nobody should have to work uh, because that's basically pushing them into poverty. All right, I have to go back to uh, the lines now, 0891-104-208. Short, sharp, to the point, then we can take as many as possible. Let's speak to Matu first in Mtata. Thanks for holding, Matu. Hello, 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 Mr. I'll just to, because I've been holding for too long, I'll just to, 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 to quickly go straight to the point. Because um, I, I, I wouldn't say the labor laws of the country are abating the strikes in South Africa. You see, what then is happening in South Africa is that the employers are the ones who are exacerbating the strikes in South Africa. How? In that they, they bypass the bargaining procedures. You see, you look, for instance, to, to do illustrate that. You look at the issue of Marigana, where the employers bypass bargaining processes. They bypass bargaining processes and negotiate directly to the employers. What then happened there? It blew up in their faces. Look at the generations issue. The generations issue where the employer has bargained with the employers and have an agreement wherein they will be contract of three years and then the salary increase. But the employer did not stick to that. So would you then blame the South African uh, labor laws? No, it's the employers. I said many examples to illustrate. 
But I'm sure because of lack of time now, I will not yeah. go to that. Uh, yeah, and, and, yeah, and I appreciate that we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of that particular situation because I'm not sure that we actually have the details there. Uh, Lucky in Joburg, good morning. Yes, funny fucking how are you? Well, and you? I'm surviving. I've been struggling for, 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 for almost an hour to hear the argument advanced by the employer's organization guy. I can't hear him exactly at one point. Is it trying to bring an argument to suggest that which part of the labor law, other than the argument that he attempted to advance in relation to the bargaining, you know, forums and processes that by the ones. But, but even that, that even here, Mukaliti is trying to educate him for free to say, show us the law so that we can go there and look at it. But he has not done that. But be that disciplinary. I deal with these things daily. You go to the CCNA and the bargaining councils where you find employees being dismissed unfairly. And, and, and guess what? The maximum compensation of which I feel is the problem, of which I can argue that, in fact, the labor laws are still in favor of employers. You find someone working for 20 years or so, gets dismissed. And, and you find the commissioner being bound by the same law to say if maybe the relationship could have been could, could have been somewhat between the employee and the given eight months. You hardly find the twelve months maximum compensation being given to the employee. What are you going to do with eight months for the rest of your life? I find it very, very similar. But the argument that has been tried to be advanced by this employee employer's organization that I think it's there is not as much on frivolous and vexatiousness. I, I think this man is inherently I don't want to say racist, but just because I'm not in a court of law, I'm free to can say I guess it's racist. Okay, not sure how you arrived at that, seeing that we are speaking to laws and how the laws impact, but then again that's your view. Herman Mashaba, good morning. Ooh. Uh, yes, uh, good morning, Sakin. Uh, thanks very much for this opportunity and really having this discussion. I think let me just quickly get into the meat of this uh, really uh, problem. And I think address it specifically to Mr. Craven and, and, and our gentleman from uh, the Department of uh, Labor. I think in terms of our constitution, which was actually the, the developed by our people to ensure that I think there's a rule of law in our country. And I think we expect our parliament to really pass uh, laws that are, in, uh, that are consistent with our constitution. Here in our country today, we're sitting with uh, Section 32 of the Labor Relations Act, which uh, the Free Market Foundation uh, challenged on the 5th of March last year. And now the Department of Labor and Consulate are playing games, delaying the matter from going to court. So if they believe that, uh, that uh, they're following uh, the rule of the law in our country, they are the ones as uh, the executives of this country to, re- to respect the constitution of our country, that they respect uh, the rights of 8.3 million South Africans unemployed. Please, I urge them to it tomorrow, anytime, as soon as possible. Let us allow our constitutional courts to really make the determination whether this piece of legislation is constitutional or not. Because we cannot expect our government to really pass legislation that is not consistent with our constitution, depriving 8.3 million South Africans the opportunity to work. I'd respect the right of the two million COSATU members that have got the fullest right to really be represented and be heard. But at the same time, South Africa is not just really made up of the few uh, employed people. We're sitting with one of the highest unemployment rates in the world today. And this is as a result of this uh, draconian labor legislation, uh, the part of it. Section 32 of the Labor Relations Act, and I believe if they 
don't really believe what we are saying. We, there's uh, court papers in court. We're waiting for, for the Minister of Labor and COSATU to allow us to go to court. Let's give South Africa an opportunity to unpack this piece of legislation. And I really ask them to really uh, speed up that process. All right. Thank you so much, Herman Mashaba. Uh, Kamzolo in Pretoria. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Um, um, uh, Sakina. Uh, Sakina, sorry. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and the civil aid is due there. Comrade, Comrade Craven has already explained that the, you can't really blame the labor laws of this country. In fact, if anything, we should be, we should be grateful that they've contributed towards a, a more stable industrial relations in, in, in our workplaces. The, 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 this obsession with some of the, with, with many of the uh, employers, especially white employers, to want to dismiss, dismiss workers is, is right at the heart. It goes to the heart of their, of their, of, of their tendency to, to want to blame the workers for, 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 the, for their situation. It is always my view that unless, unless the employers are willing to pay the workers what they deserve, the employers must just do the work for themselves and okay. and, and, don't, and, don't, and don't employ the, the, the employers the, the, work, the, the workers if they don't want to pay them let me just challenge this notion of white employers are and there you go because people are raising this uh, continuously and i want to understand when you say white employers what do you mean how who are these white employers that you are referring to michael and constantia good morning Hi, I just want to uh, address Mr. Craven's remark about the worst form of exploitation. The worst form of exploitation that we have in this country are the legal disabilities which are placed on unemployed people, which prevent them from selling their labor into the formal sector. Mr. Mishaba's um, right on, on, on target when he talks about Section 32 of the Labor Relations Act, which is in breach of, of our Constitution. Um, it, it, it breaches the Bill of Rights on, on several counts, the most important one being freedom of association. And by through its mechanism of extending collective bargaining agreements to non-parties, um, it prevents, it effectively takes away the legal right of unemployed people to sell their labor as they see fit. Now, it's all very well if you've got a well-paid job and you're you're represented by a powerful union and you've got skills. But if you are an unskilled person desperately trudging from factory door to factory door and being faced by legal minimum wages which are, are forced upon industrial sectors through the, the, the mandatory extension of, minute, of, of collective bargaining wage agreements to non-parties, and Mr. Parpenfuss has touched on this, you are effectively disbarred from selling your labor because if you you cannot add sufficient value to an employer's business when he pays you the legally determined minimum wage all he's going to say is terribly sorry sir i'm not can, i can't afford to employ you now everybody looks at this issue from the employer's point of view and from making profits nobody thinks about the unemployed and the constitutional rights of the unemployed and at the moment in this country as mr mashaba says we have millions of people who suffer from a legal disability which is in breach of the bill of rights of our constitution through Section 32 of the Labor Relations Act, which is the best-kept secret in South Africa and which is responsible for manufacturing human misery and unemployment and poverty in our country. And it's an absolute disgrace and full strength to Mr. Mashaba and his courage. I, I, I wish him every success. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. Ooh.
Tons and tons of messages coming through. And um, I'm going to give uh, the three gentlemen, our guests this morning, an opportunity to gather their thoughts because they'll only have a minute each to respond. But I just want to run through some of the tweets here. Umzugisi says, So Herman Mashaba is now fighting for the unemployed. Really? And then Umko GP says, The issue of race will always come up. White employers are angry with BEE structures, hence the exploitation of mostly black people. And a few others also, Paniza Lituli says, Strikes reflect a serious leadership competence gaps. Uh, uh, Labor laws cannot lead and manage employees. They are just a guide. Mutlokwa says employers keep on complaining about our labor laws being rigid, but their share prices tell a different story. And um, Ndundlu says... I don't know what capitalists want. Uh, they have a probation period, and now they want a year of relaxed labor laws. Mutlukwa, um, I read that one, and Ditsela Tseki says, South, Africans, South Africa's labor laws are bad for the economy. That is the understatement of the year. This is simple undergraduate economics. Those some of the comments coming through. Well, Patrick Craven... Yeah, first of all, on Herman Mashaba and the court case, he's every right to bring this to the Constitutional Court, but we're confident the Constitutional Court will throw it out because uh, what they're asking for is what I was referring to earlier, in effect, to make collective bargaining agreements optional, which means you've undermined the whole basis of collective bargaining, which is in the Constitution. And therefore, the Constitutional Court would be contradicting itself if it said, if it allowed the implications. Also, I totally reject this argument that uh, this would help the unemployed. It's a completely false argument to think that uh, if uh, wages fell down to a certain level, then more unemployed people would be uh, uh, would be employed. It's totally unacceptable to say that because so many people are unemployed, many of them perhaps desperate, and they'll work for almost anything, that therefore it should be acceptable to pay almost anything. And most unemployed people wouldn't accept that, by the way. Okay. They, they've got standards as well. They're not going to accept any job simply uh, because any job's better than nothing. There must be basic minimum standards, which is in the Constitution and is also, by the way, in numerous... ILO conventions, which our government has signed, which make it absolutely clear that collective bargaining, trade union uh, rights, and uh, above all, the right to strike are sacrosanct and cannot be uh, abandoned. Let me read this one. You can't respond to it, unfortunately. It says, in the 80s, Margaret Thatcher got rid of unions and dragged the UK economy out of a recession. Hence the fact that a communist like Patrick Craven is now spewing his communist rhetoric here in South Africa. In the US, unemployment (laughs) is 50% less in states where you have the right to fire people compared to unionized states. These are the real statistics that the trade unions will deny at all costs. Uh, that's what M in Cape Town says. Gerard? Uh, yeah, a few things. <clears throat> the FMA uh, Free Market Foundation's uh, legal challenge uh, is only about one thing, and that is to to allow the minister to uh, to use her discretion in the extension of agreements. As it is currently, she is obliged when requested to extend. So it is, uh, I think, you know, the, the, the case of the Free Market Foundation is, is, is misunderstood completely. Secondly, you know, in the metal industry, just to use an example, uh, a, a, a newcomer, no experience, no skills, earn cost to company 100,000 rand. What we're saying is that's obliged. The guy in Kuruman, if you can't pay that, 
If you can't pay the 100,000, send the job to China. Millions of jobs are going to China. And Kosato is doing this, but Kosato hasn't made one single proposal how to create jobs. Not a single thing. Mm. Um, I think my time is up. It is, and uh, just one that you also can't respond to. Please ask uh, Mr. Papenfus, would he be able to live on the lower salaries that he is currently playing, uh, his employees? Mr. Mkalipi? I want to raise this issue. It is that less than 20% of workers work under bargaining council agreement in this country. Now, if we say bargaining council agreement are the problem in creating jobs, 80% of workers work outside that system, and there's no job creation. The second thing that I want to raise is that we're not going to argue about the case that Mr. Mashaba has put on. If you believe that we are delaying, we are not above the Constitutional Court. You must go back to the Constitutional Court and let the Constitutional Court make a decision if you believe that we are delaying. All right, and that's where we have to leave it, unfortunately, this morning. Just two more comments. Um, this one from um, Unati Khrudbum, who says, if a country operates without labor laws, that will be uh, slavery to the workers. And um, Mutlukwa says, uh, employers keep complaining about the labor laws, uh, but um, in fact, that's not the one I wanted to read, so I'm going to leave it there. Um, it was one about productivity, and that, of course, is a debate for another day. Gentlemen, thank you so much uh, for your time this morning. Um, Mr. Gerard Papenfus from Niasa, Patrick Craven from Kosatu, and Temin Kosinkalipi from the Department of Labor. And as always, to you, our listeners, uh, thank you so much for your fantastic participation. And to the production team, great job making sure it went out loud and clear. We're back with you tomorrow, same time, 6 to 9. Right now, though, it's 9 o'clock. It's time for the news with Zikona Miso.